Well, good morning. Hope you've had a great Christmas, uh, celebrating the birth of Christ and time with family is great. Uh, we, we uh, you know, Christmas with grandchildren is it's better. It's just better. We love having our grandkids in the home. Going to go see another one today. So I hope you've had a great time. I want to read uh, today's passage, uh, which is uh, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. So uh, later this week, we will turn the calendar to a new year, uh, say goodbye to 2021, hello 2022. And on one hand, it's like, it's just another day, right? I mean, it's just another day. But there is something about the turning of uh, calendars to new years that uh, many of us reflect. We ponder the year that is pass by, we think and anticipate things about the coming year. And so it is just another day, but it is a time to ponder, reflect, and think. And many of us make commitments, right, as we head into a new year. And so as you think about the coming year, I have a question for you this morning. Are you more hopeful or worried? Do you anticipate good things or are you more concerned about the trouble that a new year will bring. Probably all of us are a mix of both a little bit, right? Many of you are hopeful, though. I mean, you're hopeful about the new year. You're confident that God is going to be doing good things in your life. You know there's going to be hard things because there always is. But you believe God will be, show up. He will be enough. And, and you really are hopeful. You have this confident faith about the new year and what it will bring. Others, however... As you think about what the future might bring, you might say, I'm a little more worried. I'm a little more concerned. You might connect with what Pastor Craig Rochelle writes in his book entitled, The Christian Atheist, Believing in God, But Living as If He Doesn't Exist. And one of the chapters is entitled, When You Believe in God, But Still Worry All the Time. And he writes this, in the light of the day, I'm constantly encouraging people to trust God no matter what. I could quote scripture from memory without taking a breath, but when the night sets in, I stare at the ceiling, feeling alone, afraid to trust God completely. If I can be truly honest, I'm often overwhelmed with worry. I know I'm not supposed to worry. I try not to worry, but sometimes it's hard. And he goes on to write this. He says, worry is bad for our health. In fact, our word worry derives from the old high German Bergen, literally to strangle, constrict, choke. That sounds like worry feels, doesn't it? 
Worry absolutely strangles the life out of me, but there are just so many things to worry about. How can I stop? And some of you connect with that, right? You know you're not supposed to worry. You try not to worry, but there's just so many things to worry about. How can I stop? And you do kind of feel it sort of squeezing the life out of you. I connect in some measure to what Groeschel writes. I can tend to worry at times. Well, today we're looking at Psalm 46, which reminds us some truths about God and how he relates to his people. Truths that if we can believe them and walk in them, it can make a big difference in our lives. Now, we don't know for sure. Uh, Psalm 46 possibly was written in the context of crisis, battle possibly. Um, But the main message of this psalm is that God is a very present help in trouble. And that's what we want to look at today. We want to look at it and try to believe it and walk in light of what this psalm teaches about who God is and how he relates to his people. And so the psalm is organized into three stanzas. Uh, Stanza one is one through three. So let's take a look at that first. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And that's the theme of the psalm right there in verse one. God is a very present help in trouble. He's our refuge. He's our strength. And, and refuge has the idea of a safe haven, a shelter, a protection. Uh, a week ago Wednesday, if you were outside uh, and the, the sirens blew, you ran for refuge. You ran inside to a safe haven. You looked for protection. God is that. He's protection. But he's also strength. Uh, sometimes God protects us from danger, from storms. Sometimes he's the strength within to enable us to endure, to bear up whatever challenges we think, uh, face. He's our refuge and strength. And because that's true, the psalmist says he is a very present help in trouble. And the sense of that very present help is, is his readiness to be found and that he's enough for whatever situation we face. Readiness to be found, he's enough for any situation. And so God is not a far-off God. He's not an uninvolved, distant God. He's here. He's ready to give aid. And because that's true, the, the psalmist can affirm that whatever situation he's writing about, they will not be afraid, even in the most troubling of situations. Verse 2, he says, In light of what it, what, what, who God is, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And, and Selah, there is some type of probably instructions for how the psalm was used in worship. The psalmist is using poetic language to paint a picture of a time of, of great crisis. He, he's describing the experience of the immovable being moved. The earth giving way, the mountains sliding into the heart of the sea. Last time I preached, I shared a story from our experience in California. Here's another one. Um, if you've spent any time in Southern California or probably a lot of California, you're going to experience some earthquakes. We experienced some earthquakes while we were there, a lot of little earthquakes, some mid-sized earthquakes. Uh, the biggest one we ever experienced was uh, October of 1999. It was called the Hector Mine Earthquake. It was 7.1 on the Richter scale. At the time, it was one of the third lar- strongest earthquakes in 100-year history. Uh, thankfully, it was 50 miles uh, east of us out in the desert, so it really didn't cause a lot of damage for us or, or in California, um, but it's pretty scary. It was enough to wake us up in the middle of the night, go get our kids out of bed, huddled under a door frame, 
And the scary thing about it, if you've ever experienced one of these, is, I mean, it's building, 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 and you do not know how strong it's going to get. Is it going to get strong enough to where the house starts crumbling? I mean, you just don't know, right? That's kind of what you're experiencing. We can hear things tumbling off the shelves, transformers blowing outside. And uh, thankfully, not much damage to our house. Um, as, as we were kind of walking around afterwards, like when you grow up in you know, you know how to look for things after a tornado. When you don't grow up with earthquakes, like, what do you do? What do you check? I don't know. You know, so you're walking around looking at stuff. And the most amazing thing was in our, both of our bathrooms, the floors were wet because the earth had moved enough that the toilets had sloshed out onto our floor. When the immovable moves, it's this very scary experience. It's frightening. That's true in any area of life. When the immovable, what, what you thought was stable, what you counted on, what you depended on, when that moves or changes, it's very concerning, it's scary, it's frightening. And so the thing that could be immovable that we thought was stable, it could be our health, it could be a relationship, it could be our financial picture, it could be our plans for the future, it could be all sorts of things, things that we counted on, we depended on. And when those things change, when they become movable, it's a very scary experience. For some of you, the language of verses two and three, it is putting into words what you're experiencing in life right now. You're living this upheaval. But hear what the psalmist is saying about God. He's saying that because of who God is, even in the most catastrophic of situations, he says we can have confidence because God is a very present help in trouble. He's near. He's a refuge. He is our strength. And so it's possible to say, we will not fear. Our security is found in God and God alone, even in the most turbulent times. God is a very present help in trouble. In the second stanza, verses 4 through 7, uh, the psalmist seems to be presenting God as the, the help to a city under siege. And, and you get that sense from verse 6 where he talks about the nations raging as well as uh, what he describes in stanza 3. Uh, it, it seems like he is describing a city under siege. And so it's probably you know, it's Jerusalem for, for this psalmist. He writes in verse 4, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And so if you're in a city under siege, having a water supply matters. That's really important. And so he says there's a river. It, it makes glad the city of of God. Water source matters when you're in a city under siege. Now, there's not a river that runs through Jerusalem like this, and so he's using the, the picture of a river as, as like a metaphor to communicate that when God is present, it's like the provision of a river in a city under siege. City of God here refers to where God dwells with his people. So he's talking about Jerusalem, he's talking about Zion, because that's where the temple was. That's where God chose to dwell and make his presence known to his people. And so he's saying if God is present, if he's with his people, it's just like the provision of a river in a city besieged. And God's presence is there, he says. Verse 5, he says, God is in the midst of her in the, in the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when the morning dawns. Because God is present, the people of God are safe. Said they will not be moved. The mountains may be moved, but the people of God, they shall not be moved. They're on solid ground because God is with them. 
When he makes a statement that God will help when the morning dawns, some believe that this is in reference to when Assyria came and besieged Jerusalem. In, in 701 BC, Assyria, a great conquering nation from the north, had gathered around um, Jerusalem. They were besieging the city. And we read this about how God helped in 2 Kings 19, verses 34 through 36. God says this, For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and he went and went home and lived at Nineveh. So in that situation, when the morning dawned, the city saw that God had protected them by striking down the Assyrians. God's help was effective. His help was immediate because he dwelt with his people. Now, whether that's the situation in view or not, the point is the same. God is near and he's a God who delivers. The psalmist then goes on and says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. And so nations may threaten, but God is in control. He simply speaks into a situation and uh, nations and men uh, collapse before him. He says, they totter. It's the very same word as the mountains moved or God's people will not move. These nations, God speaks, they totter, but not God's people because of God's presence. They will not be moved. And then we find the first of two identical refrains in the psalm. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of heavenly armies, he is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And the God of Jacob has has in view his protective covenantal relationship with Israel. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And, And fortress is a little different than refuge. Refuge is a safe haven. Fortress has a sense of being elevated. And so it's a safe, elevated place from the enemies. That's who God is. He's our fortress. Again, where do you sense threats in your life? Where do you sense the danger? Where do you sense the armies circling around? As you consider these things, know that God is with you. He is near. He dwells with you. The answer to your fear in these situations is knowing who God is and that he is indeed with you. He is a very present help. In times of trouble. Stanza three starts in verse eight. It says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Again, if the, the setting of this psalm came out of that Assyrian uh, attack uh, coming against Israel, The psalmist is saying, look at what God has done. Come behold the works of the Lord. And again, if it's that event, then when the people rose up in the morning, they could look out and see that God had struck down the Assyrian army. They could see the desolations that God had brought on the Assyrians. They could see that he had made war cease. It was if God had gone into the camp of the Assyrians and broken their bows and shattered their spears and burned the chariots with fire. And so come and see 
his protection. Look at who God is and what he has done. Now this passage here is written general enough that it's an invitation for God's people at all times to look at what God has done. It's an invitation to remember God's acts of salvation throughout history. And, and God's, you know, history is full of God's uh, interventions, right? I mean, we can look at all sorts of biblical history where God showed up and delivered. We can look at church history and see how God has shown up in many ways to deliver and save. We can consider our own lives and remember times and ways that God showed up and delivered, saved, helped. And so it's this invitation to remember those acts. If we can remember how God has acted in our history, it helps. It helps us live with confidence. It helps address our fears. In verse 10, God himself speaks. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Like typically when I've read this, I've so often just took it as this is a command for me, a command for us. And yet the reality is I think God is declaring both to his people and to all the nations that he is ultimate, not us. That he will be honored, that he will be exalted. And so the nations may rage against God, but he's calling them to be still and to acknowledge who he really is and to surrender to him. And so it is for all the nations, but it's also for us. It's a call for God's people to yield to him and trust him. When you think about Israel's history, um, so often they didn't do this, right? When, when they were threatened, they turned everywhere else but God. They, they made all these alliances with other nations. Uh, they trusted in their military might for deliverance. And so to them, God would say, stop, I'm God, I'm in charge. Surrender to me, trust me. And he says the very same thing to us. Yield to me, trust me, I'm God. And then we find the, the refrain from verse 7 repeated in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is with us. God is with you. It's an amazing truth. He's a very present help in time of trouble. That's the truth of this psalm. That's what, what this is proclaiming about God. That's the truth, that if we can believe it and walk in it, it would make a world of difference as we walk through this world, this troubled world. God is not an aloof, far-off, distant God. I don't know why, but for so many years, in my early years as a believer, uh, I had this view of God being you know, great and mighty and, and transcendent, but, but, and he is all those things, but, but I had this sense he's a far-off God. He's a distant God. I kind of elevated his greatness, but failed to really remember he's also a God who is near, and he is. He is a God who has come near. He's a very present help in time of trouble. If there's one thing that Christmas proclaims to us, is that God has come near, right? He's entered into our world. He, he, he's entered into our history. Emmanuel, God with us. And so one of the best things that we can do to live with confidence, to find peace in a troubled world is to remember this truth that God is near. It's God's presence and our knowledge of that that gives us stability as we walk through this world. 
And so my encouragement is uh, preach that message to yourself. Declare that truth to yourself every day over and over again. God is here. God is near. God has drawn near to me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's so near in the sense that his spirit even dwells within you. God is near. God is near. Preach that message to yourself. But here's the thing. If we don't really know God very well, if we don't know this God is, who is near, the thought will not be as helpful to us. We really do need to get to know him, right? We have to know the nature of the one who is near to us. And so I would encourage you, even as you think about this new year, and, and I say this because this is a time where we tend to make commitments, many of us, and we think about what do we want to kind of grow in and, and develop uh, depth in. And so what a great time to say, God, in this new year, I want get to get to know you in a way that I never have before. I want to develop rhythms of, in my life that, that brings me into your presence where I'm seeking you and I'm seeking to understand who you are. The psalmist is saying it's because of what he knew to be true about God that he had confidence, right? It's because God is a refuge and strength, a very present help. He said, therefore, it's because of what I know, I'm not going to be fearful. So we need to grow in, in our awareness of who God is. One of the best ways we do that, one of the core ways, is through God's word, right? I mean, God's scripture. It's, it's how he has revealed himself to us. And so we need rhythms. We, we all need these deepening practices of coming to God and, and being in his word and reading and pondering. And I don't know what that looks like in each of our lives. It's going to be different. But, but we need to come to God's word. This time on Sunday morning, it is important. It is helpful. But 30 minutes once a week isn't enough. We each need for ourselves to be in God's word, trying to understand this God who has come near to us. And so let me encourage you as you think about a new year and your practices and your rhythms, what will that look like to be in God's word and to consider who it is who's come near to you? If you've never, ever really kind of gotten into the word for yourself, let me give you just a couple of simple suggestions. I would, I would recommend either you go to one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and read a chapter a day. So either do that or maybe work your way through the 150 Psalms. Read one Psalm a day. Either way, let me encourage you to ask yourself this question after every, every day you're reading or as you're reading and ask yourself, what does this show me about God? How does God reveal himself in this passage? What does it teach me about God? And ponder that. And see, as you do that, as you come to the scripture and ponder how God is revealed that, that builds your understanding of who he is. And so we, we just simply have to be, if we're going to know God, we have to be in his word, and uh, we need to kind of be in his word actively, pondering a question like that. So let me encourage you to do that. But this scripture is also, Psalm 46 is also has is kind of revealed that like we, we get to know God by remembering what he has done, by remembering what he's done. When, when, when the psalmist urges the people in verse 8 to come and see the works of God, he's inviting them to look at and remember how he has acted on their behalf. He delivered them. When we remember how God has provided or protected or healed or led in the past, I mean, that's an experience with God that teaches us something about him, right? We need to remember those things because it's one thing to have head knowledge, but when you experience something, when you experience something about God, uh, that's, that's teaching you about him in, in ways that, I mean, it's just really important. And so we need to remember what he has done. It's one of the reasons I think people like to journal sometimes. They, they write down 
prayers that God has answered, interventions, the way he's delivered them so that you can go back and, uh, and look and be reminded of things that he's done. Here's one for me um, that I'm experiencing right now. Many of you know, if you've been around, Rooted is one of our, it's an important ministry here at Faith. It's, it's, uh, it's our front door to group life. And uh, we think being connected in a group is, is important for our discipleship journey. And so Rooted is an important kind of starting point for all of that. I'm in charge of Rooted. We do Rooted three times a year. And uh, what I always experience is, I don't know how many people, like so next spring, I don't know how many people are going to sign up for Rooted. Is it be 40? Is it going to be 80? How many people do we need to facilitate? I mean, it depends on having enough qualified, gifted, passionate facilitators to, to facilitate these groups. If, if, if you have 80 people sign up and you only have two facilitators, that's not going to be a great experience. So I carry this anxiety in my heart from about uh, November till February 1 when it starts. I mean, I just, I just feel that because I'm, I'm sort of responsible for finding the facilitators, and so I have this worry, I have this anxiety in my heart. But you know what I've been noticing about what God has done? We've done rooted nine, uh, nine times now. And every single time, we've had enough people to facilitate all the rooted groups. In fact, we've had exactly the right number every single time. God is showing me through how he has worked in history and by me remembering that, that like he, he's doing things out there. He is working in the hearts of men and women to, to have an interest in facilitating a, a rooted group. He's the one who's stirring interest to sign up, and he knows all of that right now about next spring, and I'm trusting that, that he's got it, and, and it helps me sort of relax. I still have my part. I still have to work hard. I still have to do the same things. But I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious about it. I can trust God is in control. And so we, we need to remember things like that. We need to remember how God has shown up in our lives, how he's delivered, how he's helped, how he's loved us, how he's cared for us, or people that we know. It's in remembering that we, we learn things and are reminded about who God is. And so as you think about whatever area of your life in which you tend to worry Let me encourage you to remember the truth that God is near, that he's a very present help in trouble. Let me encourage you to continue deepening your understanding of who God is, who it is who is near you by spending time in his word and by remembering what he has done. Let me make one other point that uh, I think we need to, it's just important to say. Uh, The promise that Psalm 46 proclaims is not that God will keep us from trouble. It's that he's a very present help in our trouble, right? I think sometimes we want to read this and say, well, if I just experience what this psalm is talking about, he's going to guard me from all trouble. And, And it's actually not what it says. He's a very present help. He's enough. He's near for the trouble that we're going to experience. Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. God in his wisdom sometimes allows us to experience some really tough things. He allows us to experience trouble, difficulties, hardship. And, and we just need to know that if he does, we need to trust that there's a good purpose because there, are, there is. He's a good God. That's something we know about him. We can trust that when God allows us to go through troubles, he's still in control. 
because he is. He was in control when there wasn't a place for, for Mary to give birth, and, and they, Mary and Joseph end up in an animal stable. He was in control 33 years later when Jesus went to the cross. He was in control, right? Hard stuff, tough stuff, but God had a greater plan. Sometimes he has a plan. He's doing things that we do not understand, and he lets things happen in our lives that don't make sense to us that we wish didn't happen, but we can trust even them that he is in control and he is working for our good. Finally, there's a sense where, where this idea of protection, it really is only fully experienced in eternity, right? As a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, we have that ultimate confidence that God will see us safely home, that he will keep us safe in the sense that in eternity we are safe. And that's really ultimately where our, our, our stability is. That's the ultimate thing that will not be moved. And so whatever troubles we have in this world, as believers, we have that hope. And that's our ultimate confidence. And if we can just know these things, it makes a world of difference in this world. God is a very present help in trouble. May we believe that. May we live in light of that truth in this new year. May we deepen our understanding of who God is so that we can live lives of confidence and trust in our great God. Father, we thank you for how this psalm reveals yourself, that, that you are a refuge and strength. You're a very present help in trouble. God, may we be people that, that are, are, are believing that, that are walking in light of that truth, that you are a God who is near in all of your greatness, in all of your wisdom, your goodness and love, in all of your provision. God, help us to believe that and walk in that truth. God, as we turn the page to a new year, may we be people that are, are seeking you, that we are growing in our understanding, our comprehension of your character and, and help us to live in light of that. God, we, we do live in a time and, and a world that there's so many difficulties, so many troubles, so many things to be worried about, anxious about. God, would we uh, be people that live differently because we know you, we know you're near. Help us to live with a kind of confidence and faith that, that is, shines us a kind of bright light in this world of trouble. God, we thank you that you are near to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.